If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast, a place for fun, fandoms, friendship, and most importantly, fangirling. I'm Julie, and buckle up fans, especially our Sarah J. Mass girlies, because today we are chatting all about the long-awaited Crescent City 3. That's right. We're chatting all about House of Flame and Shadow. And when I say we, I mean me and our lovely correspondent, Miss Melinda. Welcome back, friend. Yay, I'm here. You're here. I'm so excited. How are you? I am wonderful. And I am so excited to talk to you all about Crescent City 3. For those of you who don't know, we had our own little mini book club where we were doing our homework, doing our due diligence and prepping with Throne of Glass. And it was so much fun. We made it to book three before Crescent City three came out. But I felt like we were very well prepared going into Crescent City three because you and I had already read the Actar series. And then I peer pressured you into the Crescent City series. That being said, it's an even a highly anticipated book release if there isn't TikToks highlighting an unexpected early release because I know I was getting TikToks of of Crescent City 3 being found at Albertsons a week ahead of time. The Sarah J. Mass PR team is taking a page out of Rebecca Yaros's book, no pun intended, and doing an early release and not just at Target, but at Walmart. And like the Walmart TikToks I saw where they had the books on display, but then they weren't selling them because they didn't have the barcode. They were, it was a super giant tease. And then I don't know about you guys, but my TikTok algorithm leading up to the Crescent City 3 release. So it was either Akatar or Crescent City fan theories or doom and gloom World War Three content. There was no happy medium. And the, I don't know, nagging, irrational thought that kept popping into my head was if I don't get my copy of Crescent City 3 before World War Three starts, heads will roll. And I'm happy to report that I did get my copy. World War Three has not happened yet. That being said, what was your initial thoughts on Crescent City 3? I couldn't wait to read it. Crescent City 2 ended on such a cliffhanger. And Akatar is one of my babies right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my hyperfixations. Thank you. And I needed to read this crossover. This book was almost 900 pages. This was what? 850 pages, give or take. And my initial take was, I don't want to rush art. I'm going to take my time with this. I did not take my time with this. I consumed this as fast as I possibly could. 
I was mad that my nine to five got in my way. Had I done the audiobook, no work would have been done at all. I would have zero attention span and be super irritated with anyone and everyone that made me pause my wonderful Crescent City 3. But I loved it. I'm definitely glad we started Throne of Glass because Sarah J. Mass did drop some fun teasers. That being said, I'm ready to spill some tea. Are you ready to spill some tea? Let's spill it. This is the part of the show where we spill the tea. This means spoilers. So if you have not read the highly anticipated Crescent City 3, we are about to spoil it for you. Serious question time. I am ready. I'm right. so ready. There was a massive cliffhanger in Crescent City 2. What are your thoughts on the Akatar crossover and where it went in Crescent City 3? I wished there was more. For me, it was a very long sequence of Bryce not really caring about her actions and what it could mean for Prithian and its people. Her main goal was to learn how to unalive the Asteri. But as soon as Nesta did that, she <laughs> didn't care and was mad because she wanted to ask more questions. Bryce, you showed up with a flash covered in blood with a sword that now reacts to Azriel's dagger. And you're mad because they don't know you? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Ma'am. Take it down a notch. Nesta and Azrael were so amiable towards Bryce. And for her to just leave them to the the worm. I, know. I would kick you off the bridge myself if I could. <laughs> but I really wanted to see more of her interaction with, with Reese, with mm -hmm. the night court, with Farah. I totally love the dynamic of Azrael and Nesta. Azrael is my favorite bat boy. Okay. So this was a treat. For me, okay. but I just needed more. I just, I don't know. It just felt very abrupt. Sarah J. Mass barely scratched the surface of what this could have been. And the long cave sequence, while I thoroughly also enjoyed Nesta and Azriel's company, it wasn't enough. I had the highest expectations. I was like, Bryce gets to go to night court. I was over the moon. I was so excited for Bryce. What if she's there during solstice? We don't even know what time of year she was there. And that drives me nuts. I want to know how fast time passes. But because they were underground in a cave, we don't know. All we know is that she was gone for five days. Like, what the hell? She didn't get to even hear about or explore the other courts. Oh, I was so bummed. But I was super bummed that Bryce didn't get to meet the other Valkyries or just enjoy Valeris. They all just got on the wrong foot so fast. You guys have so much in common. You guys are all on the same team. Why can't you guys make a conscientious effort to get along? Sarah J. Mass barely scratched the surface on what this crossover could have been, and it could have been so much more. And I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Next serious question. What was your favorite storyline? You know, I think mine's going to have to be Rune and Lydia's storyline. So I feel like the character growth between the two of them, it was just so good. And we were all theorizing about Lydia and we were all pretty much right on the nose with that. <laughs> just reading the two of them becoming closer and Rune realizing that they're mates, Lydia coming into her own separate from Pollux and the Asteri. And, you know, she had Mark and Declan help with the rescue, but that was basically all her. She was just kicked butt and when she turned into the hind during the chase got to the edge of the cliff and just jumped oh, off yeah. the cliff to get away from oh my god 
So I'm just, all my words have escaped me. I've become a flustered fan (laughs) over the love I have of this plot line. I was on the edge of my seat with that one too, especially when she jumped and I was like, all right, Lid, it's been real. You fought the good fight only for her to live. Did not see that one coming. What's your favorite storyline? So I'm going to have to go with Bryce bringing Avalyn back to life. It felt like A, I was in the cave with her. The Sarah J. Mass world building was very strong with this storyline. I could not get enough of it. I thought this was probably one of her most well-written storylines, starting with the black salt, like Bryce figuring out when she took her finger to the cave wall and licked it. And I was like, girlfriend, what are you doing? Like I was judging. And the way that she put Truth Teller and the Star Sword in that eight-pointed star I felt like I was in the cave with her as she was putting those two missing puzzle pieces together as Avalyn came to life and you see the trees sprouting from the cave. You know that it's just cinematically going to be the most beautiful thing to see this scene come to life. And I really hope it does. That was my favorite scene, hands down. All right. Next serious question. Top three biggest bombshells that were dropped in Crescent City 3. I think for the first one for me was the fact that Bryce is distantly related to Rezand. So like it's the whole story between Celine and her sister Helena and how Thea and Fion, you know, defeated the, the Diaglin, who are known as the Asteri in Crescent City. And if you find out that the prison off the coast of Prithian was actually the Dusk Court. Which you called! Ooh, you called. <laughs> oh, that was so good. So yeah, now Bryce is the descendant of Helena and Rezand is the descendant of Selene. So both are descended from Fionn and Fionn, you know, is the last high king of the Fae. I'm speechless. Like that was a, that was a bombshell for me when I connected the dots. The second one, we finally figured out Hunt's background, that he was basically created to help Bryce defeat the Asteri. You know, Hunt was like, oh, so making us mates, like that was just a, you know, was that just the cherry on top? No, no, actually, that was the cauldron. <laughs> and my third one, I loved the mic drop moment when Rune told his dad that he lied about his prophecy. Oh, that was so good. So good. He's like, oh, by the way, I lied. <laughs> <laughs> what are yours? One of the first bombshells that caught me off guard was that Lydia is distantly related to Aelin. And while there were plenty of hints and teasers about Throne of Glass throughout this book, that one, I was like, I grabbed my pearls. I was like, oh, my goodness. Here we go. Here we go. Again, right there with you with Hunt having three to four dads. What in the Mamma Mia? Yeah. I was like, what's (laughs) going on? Am I reading this right? (laughs) Okay. And three out of the four are the princesses of hell. And then one was just just the carrier. Okay. Not mad. But here we go. All right. And... The other one that I just wasn't expecting because like, sure, Celine's monologue was beautiful and I love all the history that Celine dropped, but the third bombshell that caught me completely off guard was there was an Asteri hibernating under the cave. So under dusk court, under the prison, a living, breathing, hibernating Asteri, you know, on Prithian. So those are my top three bombshells. So with us doing our due diligence and reading the first Throne of Glass books, I felt very well prepared to catch some Easter eggs and or hints or teasers. And I did. And I know you did too. What were your top three Throne of Glass Easter eggs that you found? 
the moment that I had to actually put my book down. I'm reading an ebook, so I'm setting down my little tablet and I have to stop. It's the moment when Hypaxia and Ethan are speaking with the Underking. And he mentions that Erd was not a goddess, but a force that governed worlds. A cauldron of life brimming with the language of creation. I was like, wait, the cauldron in Akatar. That was mind-blowing for me. And the other one was in the same conversation. The Underking stated that Erd's true name is Word. W-Y-R-D. And again, how to put my book down. And I went, oh my God, because of the word keys from Throne of Glass. Right. And he said that he's from that, that world where the shifters came from, but they weren't known as shifters back then. And I was like, oh my God, freaking out. I'm totally fangirling right now. And as you stated earlier, when Lydia tells Bran his full name is Brannon, and she turns into fire. I was like, oh my God, I wish there was more of a Throne of Glass crossover with Crescent right. City, but I am so happy with the things that Sarah Jamas gave us. And those are my top three. What are yours? So she threw out the stag symbolism a lot in Crescent City 3. So I was like, okay, I see what you're doing here. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Miss Mass. I get it. So Avalyn, they're... I don't know, their mascot is the stag, which to me screamed Terrison. And I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere. I'm also there with you with the Underking bombshell. That was a big deal. But it was the Arkeesian amulet that Jessiba gave her when Jessiba is passing away and they meet in the afterlife. And Jessiba mentions to Bryce, hey, you know that amulet I gave you for protection? It wasn't for funsies. There were a lot of similarities between that amulet and the Eye of Elena that Aelin wears. So I'm guessing they're from the same world. There were tons of Throne of Glass Easter eggs and hints that Miss Sarah J. Mass was dropping, and I couldn't get enough of it. We're going to address the elephant in the room here, because there were some annoying AF storylines that hit a nerve. And I know I saw it on TikTok, too. It's not just me. Oh, man. So the two storylines that I could not read faster, it was Therian and it was Ethan. So these two try to help, but in doing so, they make things worse. And at one point, I just wanted to jump into the book, hold on to Ethan's shoulders and be like, just stop. Just just stand here. Don't say a word. Don't think anything. Don't move. Let Bryce and Hunt and the team figure this out. So those are the two that annoyed me. What were yours? I'd have to say like Bryce was a total sasshole from start to finish in book three of Crescent City. And she was really giving off Danica Fender energy throughout this whole process. Like you mentioned, she shows up unannounced in Prithian. She just walked in here like she owned the place and gave so much sass versus, hey, can we chat? Can we work together? Things just went south so fast in that storyline. There was, I do what I want, when I want, how I want, end of story. Because I'm Bryce. I am starborn, take it or leave it. And poor Hunt. He had his moments too where he was just like, hot damn, you are pissing me off something fierce right now. Can you not? I mean, they even addressed it at the very end with Nesta and Cassian too. Like, oh, they're just alpha holes. And I was like, yeah, well, you guys aren't exactly amiable either. Next serious question. 
there were some fun bonus chapters. And Miss Sarah J. Mass made a point of giving five different book retailers exclusive bonus chapters. So I had the Barnes and Noble exclusive. You had you had the Walmart exclusive. There was a Target exclusive. And then there was a indie bookseller exclusive. And the other retailer was Books A Million. My question for you is, what was your favorite bonus chapter? It's a tie for me between the Nesta Azriel Bryce chapter and the Ember and Randall chapter. Thing I loved about Azriel and Nesta is that we find out that Azriel is a club rat. Yes. That he likes, you know, house music. But Nesta is just, you know, she's all about the classical. <laughs> she's the classical pop girly. And then with Randall and Ember, the way that Ember deals with Resand, because, you know, Ember had to deal with the Autumn King, who was 10 times worse than Resand when it came to, you know, toxic masculinity. She just walked up to him and did not look away, did not look down. And the way that Resand like recognized that she's been through a lot worse. <laughs> right. Oh, that was, that was a bonus chapter we needed. It <laughs> I was. Feel. I was also torn between two. So it was the Randall and Ember chapter, along with Lydia and Rune. With the Randall and Ember chapter, again, barely scratched the surface. I was like, you guys got a second honeymoon in Valeris and I wasn't invited? I want to know how and when you guys went and had a great brunch at Rita's, okay? I want to know that you guys went sightseeing and enjoyed Valeris for everything it was. And with Lydia and Rune, they got married! Oh, they got married. And Lydia planned everything and it was so beautiful and it was under the moonlight and it was ah it was perfection last series question so with crescent city three sarah j mass tied up a lot of loose ends and i totaled it up all together and she killed off about 10 main characters 12 if you include bryce and lydia but and i see how sarah j mass set up the next akatar book yeah, it was Bryce giving the Star Sword and Truth Teller to Nesta. And I think she did a good job tying up those loose ends. But like going into the next Crescent City book, the main issue that kept popping up or that they were stressing over was the first light issue that was ran by the Asteri. The Asteri kept Crescent City alive. So that was their power source. So electricity, everything ran off of the Asteri's power to keep Crescent City alive and well. And when you kill off the Asteri, everybody's like, um, shit, uh, what do we do? We don't have a source of electricity or how are we going to power the city now? And I was like, I feel like this is a major plot hole because with Crescent City being the more modern fey world, more urban, you're telling me you guys have all the technology and the history of not just the tech, but also the magic. And you guys can't figure out how to put together a solar panel. I kept reverting back to, yeah, but this could be solved with a solar panel. <laughs> this I could literally look up on Amazon right now. There are phone chargers made out of solar panels that could charge your phone right now. But no, this is the plot hole that we're really like stressing about right now. Help me understand. What do you think Sarah J. Mass has in store for Crescent City 4? I for sure think that Hypaxia and Ethan are going to go after Sigrid. Okay, and that's what's going to happen. Bryce and Hunt will deal with the Fae politics, with the fall down of the government. Lydia and Rune are going to get into dragged into some conflict. <laughs> They're going to try and be normal, you know, with Lydia's kids and something's going to happen and it's all going to 
go awry. Therian, for sure, is going to look for Safia with the help of Ariadne. But also, I think the theory going around is that the next Crescent City book is going to be themed around water. Because the first book is Earth, second book was Air, third book is Fire. So like just following the four elements, like it makes sense. Well done. Well done, Miss Sarah J. Mass. You had us on the edge of our seat. It was wonderful. I miss it already. I can't wait to finish Throne of Glass so I can go back and find more Throne of Glass Easter eggs in the Crescent City series. But uh, this was a fun ride. So I encourage anyone and everyone to throw us your fan theories. We're here for it. And now it is time for the Spotlight of the Week. Looking for a quick and honest review on an upcoming movie? Check out Parking Lot Reviews, where our lovely correspondent, Miss China, gives her a hot take on a variety of movies the moment she leaves the theater. Follow Parking Lot Reviews on TikTok and Instagram at Parking Lot Reviews. The Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network, and we want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to tune in every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts for a new, fun, fandom episode of the Fangirls Podcast. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Bloomsbury Press, Sarah J. Mass, Writer's House, or any other media mentioned today. We're just really big fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.